adventure of a lifetime. Grace and peace to you, friends. Thanks for joining me on part two of unpacking the life of an epic historical figure, Moses. He was so revered as a leader in the Jewish world that they even named their legal and religious practices after him, calling it Mosaic Law. I found it so curious that right in the middle of his story, it says Moses was content. This guy, content? Do you know many epic people who say they are content? It seems to me that just generally people who are doing epic things are always hungry for more. For more revenue, more impact, more experiences. This epic man Moses lived about 3,500 years ago, and his life is recorded in the Bible. The Bible is often overlooked as a source of wisdom for everyday life. The self-help movement invites you to look to yourself for wisdom, for guidance, for a true north. But they also invite us to flirt with the occult, with its mysticism and varied practices. They teach that you can manifest what you want to have an ideal vision of your life, etc. When you do that, you are putting your faith in yourself and these practices themselves. Some say that they teach from disembodied spirits for wisdom, like Esther Hicks's channeling of a group of beings called Abraham. These teachings are widely circulated in the law of attraction and self-help crowd. Maybe you don't actively do these things, but you could instead be guided by people who practice and teach these things. The logic is really very interesting to me since many New Agers don't believe in God or acknowledge God or consider religious things. Like maybe they're thinking, I can believe these spirits are real, that they have something important to impart to me. I can believe in getting my energy right to manifest what I want, but it's not a religion because I don't believe God is real. When you are looking for a formula for a successful life, the Bible makes its intentions clear. In John 10.10, God's son Jesus Christ said very simply, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have a full, abundant life. And we're told over and over how to have that life. To some Christians, that may seem like a terrible take on the Bible, and I ask for just a little grace as I unpack these concepts. Can we think of it as a gross oversimplification for the time being? Before Jesus Christ lived, there was a guy named Moses, and we can learn so much from him about life, leadership, people, decisions, God, all the things we wrestle with in life. Let's look at Moses and understand that one time he was contented. We heard about the tale of two moms last episode. Please take some time to listen to that if you're just tuning in. We have this Jewish man who's grown up as a son of the Egyptian pharaoh's daughter. He evidently enjoyed the trappings of a princely life because we're told later in Acts 7.22 that Moses was educated in the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. That same retelling in Acts tells us at age 40, he decided to visit his people, the Hebrews. It's curious that after so many years living and dressing the part of an Egyptian prince, but at some point decides and identifies with an enslaved people, the Hebrews. At some point, he comes to a deep knowing of his identity, his people, but he retains the life of a prince. Moses is a powerful and capable guy trying to figure out how to join this other culture. 
He left the royal household one day deliberately to be with what he calls his people. When he sees a Hebrew man being mistreated by an Egyptian, Moses springs into action. It's not like the guy was just getting pushed around. Some Jewish accounts say that the Egyptian had basically raped the guy's wife. And then it got physical when the guy tries to confront the Egyptian. Moses kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Afterward, he is apparently feeling complete composure, undeterred, and goes home. It's interesting when we peek into his character at that moment. Day one is in the books, just murdered a guy in an attempt to save his people. Let's do it again tomorrow. What can day two of bro time look like? This time, two Hebrew men are struggling, maybe a fist fight, and Moses the Benevolent sticks his nose in their business. One man says, who made you a prince or judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? In that moment, a couple of key things happen. Perhaps he was starting to feel a calling to lead these people, not just join their dinner parties. Maybe it's true that Moses hoped to be part of delivering the Hebrew people, his brothers from slavery. His actions show us that he was operating from his vision as a leader and deliverer of the Hebrew people. Many in the self-help movement would tell you to operate from vision. Do a vision board to help you visualize your future self. Moses likely did not do that, but it leads to an interesting scenario that we see over and over. He was called to do something big and he knew only a little glimpse of it, but it wasn't the right time because he didn't have the wisdom he needed to do the job. He was the picture of success, but it wasn't the right ingredients for this job. Fear happened, as it always does. Moses' fear of being nipped as a murderer was stronger than his calling. In fact, he was not prepared to be a leader because of this very act of murder. As a leader, he had to act in integrity and awareness that everyone is watching him. God had given Moses this vision to lead and help the Hebrews, God's own people. But Moses had to learn how to be led, how to see God and his purpose for this infant nation. Moses was operating on his vision of being a powerful guy. And as a result, he failed assignment one. Moses wasn't prepared for the consequences of his actions. So he fled to the land of Midian. We know that what Moses did was wrong. We are told in the Bible, in the New Testament section, Jesus's half brother, James wrote in James 120, that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Later, Moses gets rebuked for twice striking a rock with his staff instead of simply speaking to it as directed by God in Numbers 20. It was kind of the final straw of disobedience and they are doomed to wander the desert instead of going to the place that God was preparing for them. It would require a lot more faith than they possessed. The guy is a real work in progress in dealing with his anger issues, and I can relate to that, but people killing each other really turns me off. I remember in my early 20s talking to someone at work about the Bible, and she said she tried to read the Bible, and she was just so turned off by all the killing in the beginning of it. I wish I could remember what I told her. The Old Testament section of the Bible, the beginning books, shows us that God is building his people, the Hebrews, into a nation state. 
the surrounding people definitely were not these great people just trying to live their best life. They did things in their culture, their religion that was so disgusting to God. For example, child sacrifice and just seeing life as cheap without value. So Moses's action makes some sense in the Chicago way world culture. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. You got a problem, then you deal with it however you can. This was the reality of the world at the time. People's lives didn't matter, especially not ordinary people, but that's not God's culture. The Bible says that God looks at the heart of people, not the outward appearance. He was at work preparing Moses for this next phase of life, but Moses's actions show us a heart that wasn't ready. So if God looks at the heart, people tend to look at the outward appearance. We see that Moses attempts to ingratiate himself with the Hebrew people didn't work out too well. There are clues later when Moses flees Egypt, the text tells us he looked like an Egyptian. Maybe he changed clothes before fleeing after hanging out with his bros all day, but probably not. It appears that he hadn't changed anything about himself when reaching out to the Hebrews. The political and cultural divide was as vast as the Grand Canyon. I'm not saying change yourself to fit in, but you've got to try to relate to each other somehow. Moses was curious, which is a good quality when traversing a great cultural divide. The Hebrews would be afraid, suspicious, feeling vulnerable with a lack of social or political power. Royalty, getting to know slaves. I would think dressing more humbly would help some. My family has been learning about how important it is to expand interracial experiences for our transracial adoptee. Okay, well, how it's good for everyone, but especially for our adoptee. Connecting with other cultures is easier if you're interested in learning and listening to other people's experiences and cultural practices. It's not easy to stick out in a crowd. I grew up in the Los Angeles area and was often one of a couple white kids in my grade level. When I moved to the southern U.S., I was kind of shocked because I'd never before seen so many white people in one place. Standing out can be great if it's something you choose to stand out for, but if it's something that shows you, like your race, your hard-to-pronounce name, your poverty, your family's mental illness, maybe even your disability, whether seen or unseen. Sometimes... Standing out feels no bueno. Moses had everything he needed in the convention of the world at the time, all the tools to operate from his vision, but he didn't have the wisdom to do the job. Moses did not dress for the occasion or try to relate to some of the Hebrew culture before presenting himself as deliverer. He was a man of action. His attempts to manifest his vision were useless. If all it takes is manifestation and the universe has your back, Moses should have been successful. Only thing was, he was fleeing for his life with the clothes on his back. His vision and his wisdom needed a lot of adjustment. Sometime later, Moses was able to be helpful to the priest ruler in Midian named Jethro. Moses protected Jethro's daughters who were consistently being harassed at a watering hole. And thankfully, this time Moses didn't kill anyone. But Moses didn't have to intervene and help those women. Maybe he even said to himself, this isn't my fight. I learned my lesson on sticking my nose in other people's business. But... I think this calling on his life to do justice 
to lead and even defend the weak. This is part of God's vision of Moses's life. This is who God created Moses to be. Even Moses knew that to some extent. I think it's really cool how we are seeing this trend of mutual goals. People unknowingly partnering with God, a mutual vision for a person's life. Remember Thermuthis? She had a vision for her life to be a mom. She got to be a mom. It didn't happen exactly as she had envisioned, but it happened. The thing is, she was open to other avenues. Are you so married to your vision for your life that you're not open to other ways of being blessed? If Moses had operated off of his vision board instead of God's calling, we would have a completely different outcome. And that's the danger of operating off of vision of ourselves. It's too limiting. You can do ladder thoughts and manifestations. Maybe you'll get there. But over and over again, we see ordinary men and women living their lives more fully, more abundantly than they ever could envision on their own. It's not enough to copy and emulate someone else's success in a vision board when you're given a unique life with a unique personality and circumstances and talents and gifts. It would have been really helpful for Moses to see his life as college. He's getting a degree in wisdom to have the tools and practice to do the job he knows he was called to do. He needed the tools and the connections to become part of the culture of his birth family. I think he was just like all of us, frightened, leading from fear or pride or swagger to get what he wanted. Over and over again, the Bible invites us to use faith on our journey. Father God will give us what we need to do the job he calls us to do. God values us humans so much, even the most humble and ordinary. Okay, maybe especially the most humble and ordinary. He wants to have a relationship with us, and it's an important part of how we live an abundant life. What if we were to see our ordinary daily lives like college? I'm getting a degree in wisdom. How about you? We do a presentation, we take a quiz, we bomb a test, that's college for you. Those moments don't mean we drop out. We keep going, we keep at it, we try again. We have so much more to talk about when we get to this moment in Moses' life where he was content. It's just so important that we understand a bit of Moses before and after to really grasp the impact of this moment of contentedness. I am on a lifelong journey of contentedness, and I think we can all learn something more about it. Stick with me in this series as we come to understand how the wisdom of the Bible can help us in our everyday life in our families, our businesses, and our communities. It's an adventure of a lifetime. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on your social media. And please leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at AOA Lifetime. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Music title, Soul Walking by Juanitos, used by the Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.